When you go backstage, you, know, you see those things. I have seen Cinderella smoking a cigarette, you know, <laughs> which is, is the weirdest thing. Welcome to Beyond Speaking with Brian Lord, a podcast featuring deeper conversations with the world's top speakers. I'm Brian Lord, and on the show today, we have 20-year Disney veteran and customer experience guru, Dennis Snow, as he shares behind-the-scenes stories of working at Disney, how to create moments of wow, and three keys to building an excellent customer service experience. Dennis Snow, welcome. Thank to the you show. very much. Thank you for having me here. Now, how did you get started with Disney? Well, I was 19 years old and um, I was on a break from college. And my plan was to hitchhike from Vermont to California and live in the mountains for a semester. <laughs> and my father said, you know, that's not such a good idea. He said, you really loved Disney World when we visited there when you were a kid. Why don't you try and get a job down there? So I hopped in my beat up Delta 88 and put stop leak in the radiator so I could make it down to Florida. Uh, and I got a job at Disney World, driving the, the submarines at an attraction back in those days called uh, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. I was Captain Nemo and it was fantastic. I worked in Fantasyland and um, it was just going to be a three month job. That was the plan and turned into a 20 year career. And if you ask any of the Disney management about their background, it will be almost the same story. It was just gonna be a, on a break from school, fell in love with it and uh, ended up staying. So I was there for 20 years. Wow, what was the first day like? The first day you go through what's called Disney traditions and they talk about the history of the company, where it all came from, Walt Disney stories, which were mesmerizing, uh, what's expected of you as a cast member. You know, they call their employees their cast members because you're part of a, of a show. So they're really instilling that Disney tradition, that Disney culture during that, that first day before you ever go out and meet a guest, you know, a customer. And everybody goes to it. And it doesn't matter if you're hired in as in management uh, or a frontline position, everybody goes through this. And so by the end of that Disney traditions, you feel like, okay, I, I know what this place is all about. I know what they're trying to accomplish. Then you go out for the on the job training. And what they're doing then is teaching you how to take all of those service principles and apply them to that specific job. So it's very, it's a very uh, seamless experience from that first day. You know, usually when you join an organization that first day, as you sign here, you sign here, here's what you get fired for, you know, <laughs> you know, and, and I've always thought it was always exciting on your first day of work to read about accidental death and dismemberment, you know, <laughs> well, they talk about the, the, the history and the, the traditions. Uh, and so for for me, that was 1979, and I remember it like it was yesterday. Wow. What yeah. were some of the Walt Disney stories that they share with you right up front? Well, you think about Disney, you know, and you think about it's successful, but you know, certain things that I didn't know when they when they came up with the idea for the movie Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, you know, this was in the early 1930s. Nobody had ever done a full-length feature cartoon before. And Walt had to kind of convince not only investors, but his own animators that, yes, you know, a full length feature cartoon will be successful. And everybody was against it. And uh, to get it made, he had to take out a second mortgage on his house um, just because of money issues and so forth. Uh, so I didn't know that. 
Uh, I didn't know that he had to cash in his life insurance to get Disneyland designed back in the early 1950s. Nobody knew what a theme park was. You know, it was all these carnivals and everything before that. Uh, so what happened was, you know, when, with these stories and you learn about what, what Walt and the, the team went through, you had this 19-year-old kid who thought this was going to be a summer job, you know, just a, a three-month job. That's what I came in with. And now I had this legacy on my shoulders. And one of the things that I think every employee in every organization should carry a, a legacy on their shoulders, that they know that when they have this interaction with a customer, that legacy is, is on the line. So that was a very powerful time. And what's the sort of the next step? Like if you're doing like sort of a Disney development process right. as a as a person, as a leader, yeah. what are those next steps that they, yeah. they do? So depending on the person, obviously, because not everybody wants to move up in the organization and not everybody is right to move up in the organization. So they're really careful about what they do. Um, but it's a huge organization and you have to let people know what you want to do. So the first real promotion is to what back then was called a lead. Uh, it's kind of like a foreman. You know, you're still a, a hourly cast member, but you're responsible for an attraction while you're on, while you're there. So that's kind of the first promotion is into that role. And then uh, next move up would be to a, su a supervisor. And my favorite thing is that, you know, my, the greatest title I've ever had was I was the supervisor of Fantasyland. <laughs> uh, you know, not many people can say that. Um, and uh, then manager and so forth. Uh, but what I found was working in theme park management, which I loved, what I found is I really loved the development part, developing people. And the great thing about Disney, and I think one of the great things about great organizations, is you get the opportunity to do things you love. So I went to the Disney University, which is the internal training arm of the company. So when you went through that Disney traditions, you know, that new hire, that's who put that on was the, the Disney University. They do the management training. Uh, so I did that and then I managed that for several years. Uh, and then we spun off a division that's called the Disney Institute where companies would come down to benchmark best practices. And we had a division that would do customized training programs for specific organizations. And so the last few years with the company, I managed that operation and also did a lot of the training too, which is still my first love. You know, that's what I, that's what I love doing. And, uh, then I went out on my own and started my own company from there. So I had 20 years in with Disney, and now I've been doing this for 20 years. What are the things, what, what are some of the things that are most attractive when you talk to other companies, like that they say, oh, we want this to happen? Yeah. The big thing is the, the consistency of the customer experience. You know, the one thing that, and one of the things that Disney is known for is regardless of what, which of the parks you go to or which of the hotels you stay at, it's got a Disney feel to it. You always know that you're in a, a Disney place. And so one of the things that a lot of my clients, they want is how do you create that consistency where everybody on our team will understand what's expected? Uh, another thing that they always comment on is that it, the place is so clean. How do you get people to, to, to do those things? So it's not necessarily that they're looking for suggestions on how to keep our company clean, but how do you get your people to do the things that we want them to do that create that, that experience? And then from a management perspective, what people are really looking for is how do you embed that in the culture? 
You know, how do you embed those? How, how do you hire people in that are wired to do that? How do you train? How do you hold people accountable for it? But it all goes back to uh, people who are, even people who aren't Disney fans kind of understand that Disney is known for the experience that they create. Uh, not everybody's a Disney fan, but even if they're not, they know that, okay, they've, they've kind of figured out how to create that consistent experience. So that's what they, that's what they want to hear about. So, you know, you're saying you're called cast members mm -hmm. if you if you work for Disney. Um, can you kind of take us behind the scenes of that and maybe some things that people don't know that they oh, probably yeah. would like to know about Disney? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's some things I can't share. <laughs> <laughs> we can talk about that later. Um, it's an operation. And and if you go behind the scenes, that's one of the things that, that typically would surprise somebody is... Uh, they deal with the same issues every company deal with, deals with, you know, the, 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 the cast member, you know, the employee, uh, I hate the shift that I have to work. I can't believe I have to work on a holiday. Uh, I can't stand my supervisor, you know, whatever it may be. They, you know, they deal with the exact same issues. Everybody wants to get paid more. Uh, all of those things. When you go backstage, you know, you see those things. The weirdest thing, I have seen Cinderella smoking a cigarette, you know, <laughs> which is, is the weirdest thing. Uh, but all of that happens backstage. And, you know, the thing, and when I talk about Cinderella smoking, you know, imagine you come to Disney World and you're out on stage, you know, you're a guest and you see Cinderella smoking a cigarette. You know, your child runs up and sees her smoking. You know, there'd probably be years of therapy involved. <laughs> and, uh, but all of those things happen behind the scenes. So, so the learning is that even with those issues, the, the business issues that every company deals with, there's a customer experience you're trying to create and everybody has to be crystal clear on what that experience is and it must be non-negotiable. You know, that you do not smoke, eat, drink on stage, uh, those, kinds of, those kinds of things. But yeah, going backstage can be a little bit of, a, of an eye-opener. So one thing, uh, so I was listening, do you ever listen to radio classics on yeah. like uh, XM radio or whatever? Love it. Yeah. So I, was, I heard a bit, and this was from like the 40s, where it was supposedly the, the good humor man, like they used to sell the, the ice cream bars. And, and so they would negotiate about who, which, which good humor man got to play which song. And so they'd start off the new guys on the most annoying song, the song that everyone hated. And then it got up to like the best one internally are there like, this is the, this is the ride you want to work on because it has the best music or this is the one where you get, it's the worst one or what? Yes. Uh, so the two things, the one that they kind of look for that really outgoing personality uh, have you ever been on the Jungle Cruise? Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. So they're known for their humor and and those kinds of things. So that's kind of a select group. Uh, that's you know that's where they're assigned there. Uh, the hardest one, and I had to work at this one, was after I worked at Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea. They sent me to work at It's a Small World, <laughs> and. You've been, I'm assuming you've been yeah, on this yeah, yeah. so you know the yeah. song. Yes. Imagine hearing that song, It's a Small World, eight hours a day, you know, and so it was, it was brutal. It was brutal. And when my youngest son, David, when he went, year, many, many years later, obviously, when he went to work at Disney, 
his first assignment was it's a small world and i just had this big smile on my <laughs> face yeah but but uh, but the jungle cruise was kind of the one where you know the out the really outgoing people that's where they went and i don't know if it's a small world it was a punishment for something i did or, <laughs> or what. but uh, but yeah that was tough if you can't share you don't know we can have eric edit it out here but uh a, a guy who worked here his his uh sister his little sister used to be a disney princess mm -hmm. so is there a hierarchy of disney princesses like this is your starter princess that you are and then you work your way up yeah. to this one well when it comes to the, the the princesses obviously what they're looking for is someone who uh when you think about the movie there's a look, you know, that, yeah. that, that, that you're looking for. So the answer to the question is no, it, it comes down to, is this person the right person to play that role? So there is not a, a hierarchy of that. It's, is it the right person to, to play the, play the role? Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. Good question though. <laughs> yeah. That's as far, that's all I can that's say. That's all he that's can a, say. Yeah, that's, that's a different all, answer yeah. than we got. <laughs> anyway, but uh, what are some different ways that people can kind of infuse other than consistency? If people mm -hmm. are looking at their, either for their own personal development right. or for their company, um, what's one way that um, they can kind of take Disney home with them? Even if they don't have, you know, Cinderella's castle right, at their right, business, right. what can they do? Well, I think the, the, a few of the things is, one of the would be that recognizing, regardless of what business you're in, you're selling an experience. You know, the product is just a part of it. And, and that's one of the things that Disney really stresses is certainly the rides are important, but everything from parking your car to buying your tickets, to checking into the hotel, to getting directions, all of those things are a part of the experience. So looking at that overall customer journey that your customers go through, and how can we make each element of that experience an excellent one? And what I always recommend to companies is whether that I consult with and speak with is to look at all of those elements and say, what would a mediocre experience look like? And what would an excellent experience look like? Because mediocre is the, is the, the enemy of good, you know, bad service. If we've given somebody a bad experience, we know it. Mediocre means we just sort of process somebody. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't enhancing the brand. So first of all, it's just looking at what's the, what makes up the overall experience and how can we make each component of that as excellent as it can be. Another concept is something that uh, is called everything speaks. That every detail from the appearance of your facilities to the tone of voice of an employee that I'm talking to on the telephone, every detail is either enhancing your brand or it's detracting from the brand. And what you want is every member of the team to be thinking, are the details saying what they're supposed to say? Uh, and so the way to make that happen is, so what are the things that could, just, could take away from the brand? Physical and attitudinal, whether it, again, it's trash on the ground or it's a tone of voice issue, blaming somebody else in the organization for a problem in front of a customer, uh, identifying those things and then identifying, so what are our commitments then? that we need to be committed to, to make sure that those things don't happen. Because again, everything speaks. And then the third thing is, how can we create little moments of wow throughout the experience? 
for our customers. And it doesn't have to be big things. It's just those little, that, just that, that genuine smile. You know, one of the things when we were ro loading people on the attractions, you know, you're, you're there's thousands of people coming at you and you only have seconds with them. And so we would just, you know, we'd make eye contact, we'd smile, we'd comment on something that they might have on their t-shirt. Um, you know, I used to look at the, the Mickey Mouse ears that the kids would get with their name stitched on the back. And, you know, I'd say, you know, hey, Bobby, how are you? And it just freaks the kid out because, you know, how did he know who I was? But the parents think you're wonderful. And it, it took a second. So, you know, those are the three real things. What, what really makes up the experience and how can we make each part of that excellent? If everything speaks, what are those details then that we need to focus in on? And just how can we create those little moments of wow? And it doesn't matter what business you're in, those three things apply. One of my favorite stories of yours that you shared last time that you were here um, about creating those little moments of wow in a, in a sort of non, it's, it's Disney, but it's like in a, in a circumstance could be anywhere else, mm -hmm. is in the parking lot afterwards oh, yeah. With, yeah. with the keys. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that it's not so easy to happen anymore with the keyless entry cars, but, uh, you know, if you've ever locked your keys in your car, it's, it's an embarrassing situation. And so, you know, people would realize out of Disney, you know, I've locked my keys in the car. Uh, and so this is not a happy moment when you, when you realize <laughs> that, you know, the kids are going, oh, dad again. Uh, and so by coming together and talking about this as a team, you know, and all the departments would do this. Uh, what can we do to to solve those kinds of issues? Uh, they came up with, it's a, a department called key control, where you lock your keys in the car and you go up to one of the cast members working out there. You know, I've locked my keys in the car and they'll call key control. And just a few minutes later, this van will show up and, and don't ask me where do they hire these folks from because I don't know. <laughs> I'd love to see the recruiting strategy for this job. But, you know, they're in your car in about five seconds and they're handing the keys back to you. And it's that moment of wow. You know, it's that moment of, of, of wow. Keeping track of the different locations of the parking lot that they park cars so that if somebody forgets where they parked, you know, all they need to do is say, well, I came in about 1030. Oh, you're parked in goofy 21, you know, and there, and there's your car. <laughs> uh, it was a moment of wow. And, and so, uh, that's a great differentiator, by the way, in organizations is to identify what are those things that can really frustrate a customer and to do something about it, to come up with processes, you know, of how to deal with those issues. Now, you're, we're not the first place that you've come back to multiple times. Mm -hmm. um, what are some of the places or some examples you might have of success stories from companies who've had you in the past? Like they mm -hmm. said, hey, Dennis, we had you, you said this, we applied it. Mm -hmm. Do you have any of those success stories yeah, you can share? Yeah, there's, there's a few companies that uh, I just walk into later on, and I'm just so happy to see the things that they've done. Um, you know, where the first time I was there, everything was sort of in disarray and you come back in and everything is, 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 is really nicely organized. Uh, but some of the things that, uh, that really stand out to me with organizations that I go back to, when you look at the journey of the customer and how they have thought through each step of the way, especially the handoffs that occur, uh, you know, whether it's on the phone, whatever it may be, when they have, when there's a handoff from one function to another, when they've sat down, I thought, how do we ease this for our customer? How do we make this a seamless experience for the customer? Um, that's a, a very gratifying experience. I worked with a, uh, 
a uh, truck stop operation one time. And one of the, and you, you think about a truck stop, that's a tough business to, to, to operate in. And they really engaged their people in the training initially, but then the management was very, very good about just constant follow-up. And when I went back and you saw the place again was immaculate, all the employees were friendly with everybody. You know, it's one of those things that you step back and you think, okay, it, it worked. Now, I'm not naive to think it happens every time, <laughs> all right? But the success stories do feel feel pretty good. Now, one last question here. So, um, you know, you were talking about, you, you thought your initial journey was going to be hitchhiking from right. Vermont to, to, right. to the West Coast, and um, but you had this detour through Disney, yeah. um, which could be, you know, that's your life story is detour right. through Disney. That's right. Uh, yeah. but, that's um, my next book. <laughs> no, there we go. Yeah, yeah, I get, yeah, I get yeah, a, my yeah, little commission yeah. off that. Um, but uh, going back to your family, did your family... From once you went through all that Disney process and everything else, did they ever go, Dennis, you know, you changed for the better because of this? Uh, my parents, they loved the fact that I worked at Disney. Okay, okay. Keep in mind, I was 19 years old when I came. My parents lived in, in New Hampshire at this point. And uh, they loved that. They just thought that was the greatest thing. Not because they saw this big change in me but they could tell their friends that they knew somebody who could get them into Disney for free. Okay. So that was the big thing from, from my parents' side. It's not of characters, it. connections. Right. That's yeah. right. That's right. So I, I became the Disney connection for, for my family. Uh, my wife, um, that's right. You had an arranged marriage. Yeah. Yeah. We basically, it was a Disney marriage. Uh, she actually worked at Disney longer than I did. So we were very compatible you know, right off, right, right off the bat. Both of my sons have worked out at Disney at some point in their in their lives. So it is truly, so I can't say they saw this big change because it, it's just been part of my life since I was 19 years old. I've been surrounded by it since I was nine, which sounds like brainwashing now that I think about it, but it, <laughs> but it really is. And I learned, I learned so many valuable things that I apply every day, that I apply every day, not just in my business, but in my personal life. You know, how Disney teaches you to look through the lens of, the the guest and understand you know they've spent thousands of dollars on this trip they're confused they're overwhelmed by this and and you, know, you can apply that thought process not to, to just your business but to you're having an interaction with your with a child um, so it impact it's impacted every aspect of my life. Thank you for joining us for the Beyond Speaking podcast. Make sure you subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen. To learn more about today's guest, visit beyondspeak.com. This episode of the Beyond Speaking podcast, your technical director, producer, and head Steelers fan was me, Eric Woody. Brian Lord was your host and executive producer. Shout out to special consultant Lauren D of D and Associates and Robert Borquez for that sweet, sweet intro. If you've listened this far, do me a favor and justify my existence and salary by checking out another episode of the Beyond Speaking podcast.